Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. And today I have Paul Finkelstein. He's somebody that really has dipped his toes into many, many things. As a kid, he loved soccer, but you know, something happened after graduation that changed his direction in life. We're going to find out about that. Um, he also started a portable heart monitor. We're going to talk about that. His parents insisted that he go to the Institute of Technology and take Dale Carnegie's uh, Human Relations Public Speaking, which was one of the best things he did. He discovered Toastmasters, and this is something that is become extremely passionate for him and now he has his own podcast as well so we're going to take this journey with him today and all his own self-discovery where it's led him what it's done for him and what he is doing for other people uh, he interviewed me the other day kind of an impromptu I thought we were having a chat next thing I know it's an interview <laughs> 15 minute interview that went half an hour <laughs> which was great and uh, I appreciate that thank you very much and so you've discovered podcasting, which is a lot like Toastmasters in the sense of, um, of the communication and of interaction with people. Uh, but it's all about that confidence, isn't it? Building a self-confidence to be able to communicate. Welcome to the show, Paul. Oh, thank you for having me back, I should say. <laughs> I feel like I've been here before. Yes, yes. I also, I'm so glad that I was able to stumble upon what you mentioned that I like podcasts. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm glad that I stumbled upon somebody that's had over 2,500 of them. And I think I'm the 2,501. <laughs> yes, somewhere in the range there. Definitely. Yes. I, when you get the bug, right? Or when you find your calling. And really, self-discovery is about finding your calling in life, isn't it? And the only way to find your calling, that's something that really means something for you is the willingness to take the journey and you've had a lot of you know journeys and a lot of redirects along the line haven't you i certainly have there's definitely obstacles along the way and if you had caught my my 10 minute speech that i did yesterday with there was a whole bunch of people on the attendance but if you're busy and i was last minute i got a chance to do a 10 minute storytelling and I don't know who was in the attendees, but there was maybe 10 or 15 people on the attendees and about 10 different speakers. So there was at least 25 people hearing about five different speakers. And that 10 minute speech gave me the opportunity to even practice more and see how you could hone it into a 10 minute spiel versus how we're talking here maybe for an hour. And I have mm -hmm. to actually condense the entire talk that maybe we're doing for an hour into five minutes on Wednesday. Right. Same and, topic. And Toastmasters is a lot to do with that, isn't it? I remember being part of a, a Toastmasters type program and, and I spoke really fast. And somebody said that, you know, you, you said a great deal there, Sarah, you know, well said, but you spoke very fast. And I said, I've got so much to say in such a short time. <laughs> so it's how to whittle it down um, and not necessarily speak faster to get it out there. <laughs> I think there's a fine line between being enthusiastic, mm -hmm. which is probably to, to get that fast 
ness yes. <laughs> for lack of a better way. I broke it up so it doesn't sound like I made up a word fast. <laughs> Wake, make up words. We'd make them up here all the time. <laughs> How to go quicker. And I think that I, while I was getting involved in inventing a new word, I, I forgot the point. I really wanted to interject there, but I do love the color of that background. <laughs> the interject is, is dancing things down, slowing down. I, that is just something that you learn to master through time, isn't it? How to say a lot in shorter words, in calmer tones. Very true. Actually, I just remembered what it was, which was when somebody is talking too fast, which you're not doing what I'm not doing, we're, I think, more passionate, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that when someone's talking real fast, it is a technical sign of maybe possible nervousness. No, yeah. Possible. But, uh, and I'm not supposed to say but either. <laughs> that also means that you're probably thinking next of what you're going to say, and there's all these different kinds of filler words that we could say in place of, something we could say in place of those filler words. And the most common technique in speaking that you could say in place of a but is actually not to say anything at all, just to actually leave silence. Pause. And then they wonder what you're going to say next. Yes. I don't think pausing is something that people do enough of, you know, is that they want to get their point across it. And this is especially comes across in people who are in sales, you know, they've got a spiel or they've got enthusiasm and they want to tell everybody about it, but they don't pause enough and let people digest what they're hearing. That pause is not just for you to get breath. It's so other people can start assimilating what you're saying and going, oh, okay, all right, food for thought. If you don't give them time for that food for thought, it just becomes too much, doesn't it? And then people can't digest it. And I'm so glad that you said food for thought and digest in the same sentence. And I'm also <laughs> so glad that you're saying food for thought, that expression that made it all the way up to your side of the coast and up into another country. And do other countries actually accept that expression, food for thought? Could that be in multiple languages? That's a good question. I think it's kind of fairly common, or maybe not in uh, non-English English speaking languages, but the, you know, it's that pause, you know, that thought process. And we have become a society that everything is foot to the pedal on the highway destination i'm in a hurry i haven't got time for this and we are realizing we're missing out on everything by doing that there's something about the country road you know now and again you get on the highway because there's a big gap and you want to get to a certain point but that country road of taking in the sight, so to speak, the meeting of the people, the difference of the cultures, the discovery of self is a wonderful way of taking your journey. Not everything has to be foot to the pedal. We miss out so much when we're constantly on speed. That's very true. And that's an interesting stopping point that you did right there. <laughs> Probably just usually teachers do that to me when they stop. They want to make sure I'm actually paying attention. <laughs> how much am I really paying to be here? <laughs> <laughs> so your life has been kind of jumping from one thing to the other, you know, which is the journey of life, you know, the exploration. Um, you had an operation right after your graduation. You know, other people are going out partying, other people are going, you know, oh, you know, free of school now, what am I going to do? And you went straight into an op. Tell us about that. Well, it's interesting that when a doctor tells you when you're sitting down in the in the the room that you go into, I guess you call it a doctor's room, the uh, examining room, 
and they are sitting down, they're looking at your x-rays up on the wall, and you're wondering what they're going to say next. They have probably a whole bunch of pauses. Maybe doctors are really good with the pauses. Mm -hmm. And then they say, oh, you're, you're, your degree, like they're using a protractor, that thing that you go, why do I need to use a protractor in math class? This isn't important. And then you realize that there are certain things in math class that are used in real life, yes. like a protractor. And they're actually using it up on the wall, making lines, and they, they're doing it on my back, my spine. And it turns out it was, it reached maybe 18 to 24 degrees, and I'd be walking like this. So you could, I wouldn't have much eye contact with people. So a podcast would probably be in a different format, maybe all audio. And you'd also see my nice COVID-19 haircut. <laughs> uh, but to, to not to go too much off on a tangent, you did say, well, hey, what happened with that operation? When you say operation, the first thing that comes to my mind is that game that is yes. take, take out the wish. My wife actually had never played that game ever in her entire life when I met her. And I had to go down to the toy store, which there was no Toys R Us anymore. And I had to go to Walmart. And they actually have a, a game section. I found it. They have operation. And I, but uh, to, to, I love to, to, to make things fun and lively. So I guess I bring up the game because it was interesting to see. I couldn't wait for her to see an operation. I knew that the red buzzer was going to go off. Yes. <laughs> and she didn't. And I knew that that thing was going to shake her hand like this when the buzzer goes <laughs> off and she couldn't take it off. And it would shock her. And it was that shocking experience that the doctor shocked me inside mm -hmm. that examining room when he said, this, the back brace that I wore for an entire year and I went to summer camp with it and I played soccer with it and I dove off a bunk bed to the floor with it and nothing hurt. It was like wearing extra padding on. Mm -hmm. And turns out that it didn't work, but, you know, it maybe might have preve prevented it, my back from getting worse. worse. Like the, the thing that you can tell is my grandfather in the back of me, one of my backbones stuck out more than the other backbone. Maybe you could, hmm. Not really with that sweater, but. Who knows? <laughs> it's actually a pretty thin shirt, <laughs> but I, I think that hopefully it's, corrected it to the state that it won't get any worse it's mm -hmm. just maintain it and of course they corrected it a little bit like for instance they said that i was going to get taller because you're putting a steel rod in that's like a drumstick not the drumstick like it was part of a chicken but the drumstick <laughs> where people beat i was saying drumstick as a lingo on a podcast yesterday <laughs> and i said drumstick and i'm like i'm thinking they're probably thinking there's a chicken wing inside me and it's really a drumstick that people play as an instrument right but it was that thick and steel. And the most important thing that I probably should have put in my 10-minute speech the other day, which I'm going to add in my five-minute speech on Wednesday, is that I don't beep at airports. I'm so disappointed that I don't beep at an airport. <laughs> of course, now nobody goes to an airport and for a little while. But that satisfaction that, hey, I went through all that and I don't beep at airports because so much muscle builds around it that, believe yes. it or not, even a steel rod through x-rays doesn't show yeah, up. Yeah, the, the x-rays don't pick up the titanium, actually. I've got titanium in my ankle. And, you know, the, the wire in the bra will pick up before mm. the ankle will pick up. So I think it's the titanium there, which uh, 
probably just as well because nowadays if you buzz anywhere it's not a good sign so, <laughs> so your listeners have a whole bunch of uh two bionic people here today exactly exactly as we jump <laughs> we are dating ourselves or i'm dating me anyway <laughs> the bionic woman and the six million dollar man yes. yeah and gosh the six million dollar man now you know what would he get for that <laughs> not much <laughs> you know, he, is he still around or did he pass i can't i don't remember. know i know she did but i'm not quite sure actually no Lindsay didn't but um yeah I don't know um where mm. they are now but it's kind of quite funny when you look at it when we look at six million dollar man which at that time was like six million dollars to make him rather like uh oh gosh what um in x-men uh wolverine right and right? talk about the uh, the operation and it was a shock to me I didn't eat that day and I was feeling faint because they were telling me news it was like yeah. you're gonna have to have surgery and I'm like oh Nobody wants to know something. they're going to have to have surgery. Yeah. And of course, it was before me having a job because it was high school. I really mm. didn't have a real job then. But after the surgery, that took uh, so many hours of mending my back and taking this, the two bottom ribs out of me so that I guess you would think I have more room in my stomach than the average person. Maybe that's why I like to eat a little extra hamburger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Good excuse. <laughs> somewhere. But I, I have taken up exercise even even later in life than I wished. And I also took up later in life, even public speaking, I took that later in life than I wished. I wish somebody actually posed to me. I, I determined that, uh, don't let me go too much off topic, so to speak, but it's all on topic. No, it is. And that is, that is, I, oh, this is, I lost it again. <laughs> I have so many areas that I want to cover that, that my brain has one all of them. Time. Yeah, all no, of focus, them in one focus, spot. Focus. But you know, the thing about discovering things later in life, I do feel that they come when we're ready. You know, sometimes we don't discover the things that are, are exciting as later in life because when we were younger, we would not appreciate it or see it for the value that it is. We have to go through other experiences before, before we truly understand the value of something. And, you know, case in point is giving a kid a sports car when they turn 18, you know, and it's like, do they appreciate that? If they have the jalopy, and they work their way up to the sports car, I think they would appreciate it a lot more. So I think things come when we're ready for them. When I was younger, I tried to make my jalopy. I got the used hand-me-down Buick 78 Regal. It had turbo on it, but it would look like a regular sedan, boring car that, for a kid that an adult just wanted it to take to work. Yeah. But I tried to make it into a Corvette by doing fancy stuff to it. I actually put a, what do you call it? Like a speaker that pe that people make announcements outside. I installed <laughs> one to the front of the grill and the inside and attached a CB radio. And I'd maybe make a comment while I was passing somebody on a sidewalk. What is a kid, a crazy kid? I guess I was a crazy kid then. Like any teenager. Not much has changed, right? <laughs> right. that's my wife dad it's more true than not true exactly i think we all need to be a little crazy in order to survive anyway i wish i knew back then too that life <clears throat> is short so mm. maybe we should all be entitled to have fun but have structure at the same time that balance that is very important because you know it's um i'm i'm a flapper in the wind you know i'm very much the willow tree the branches constantly going with the wind but i had to learn to root and that the roots were just as important, you know, as the branches were. Um, 
and that you know i'm meant to be the free spirit because i'm air but at the same time if you don't have that structure you know all you're going to be is a tumbleweed and uh, you know and it's constantly doing things without a purpose and when you discover the purpose that's the when you discover the structure and the true meaning of things so again life lessons and that's what the journey of life is about the lessons oh, the, we learn along the way the key takeaway though from that operation and determining uh, finding out that i had scoliosis and even after all of the recovery and being home and my parents got cable for the very first time and i had a respiratory therapist that came to my house every day for the whole summer and i had to take a shirt that was like this was underneath my body cast that i had to stitch it to the top with my mom and would pull it through to get the new one out once a week and once a week I showered but during the day I got sick and tired of cable now can you tell a kid that they could be without their phone yeah and I wanted to be without cable back then and cable is pretty much the same identical thing to your phone even though the phone has much more than just your tv and yes. your life and your email and everything but can you imagine that we should probably more often than not say we need to unplug from our phones, unplug oh, yeah. from our TV, unplug from our cable. And I made that respiratory therapist walk to the next town over. It must have been 10 miles or so. And that was the beginning of probably what I didn't know would be my marathon experiences, which I didn't even know I wanted to do until later in life when a social media platform, a guy posts a picture of a marathon. And of course, after you finish 26.2 miles, you're going to want to post a giant picture yes. of it <laughs> saying, hey, I did this Tell the world. Yeah. And you feel like, wow, not many, how many percentage of people actually finish a 26.2 marathon, even though you show up at a marathon and the big ones like New York City Marathon and all the major ones around the world, even the Great Wall of China Marathon, and maybe that'll be a while till they have that again, who knows. That, uh, where was that? And the marathon thing is, is you know, the physical marathon, which is t testing your tenacity, you know, the strength of the courage, you know, um, the, again, the structure, you know, because if you do too much too soon, you burn out, it's getting into a rhythm and life is about a rhythm. And in a marathon, you've got to pace yourself. You've got to get into a rhythm so you don't tire out because it's about the longevity. It's not about the sprint. And there's so much metaphorical to learn from that of of being the marathon in life and that sometimes it is a sprint you know just get to the finish line on a certain project but so much about life is that um tenacity to stay the course and pace ourselves uh, and that when we get to an end it's an end of that particular chapter and the beginning of another but i would imagine that that marathon thing taught you a great deal about the pacing and the appreciation you can't finish it unless you have the recipe for mm. a marathon. And that recipe is all the ingredients that you just said. Yeah. The reason why too, you know, some people want to do it because the, just to say they've done it or, you know, they've got to win at all costs. But, you know, for a lot of people I know that run and my, my daughter's a runner. Um, it, it's almost therapeutic, isn't it? It's, um, it's almost a form of meditation. Or my, becomes my vitamin for life. Mm. I feel like I'm definitely missing something now that I got into it. And I didn't get into it in high school. I didn't do mm. it in college. All of a sudden, like 15 years ago, maybe in 2005. Right, right. And um, again, that discovery, you know, not everything has to be discovered when we're young. You know, it's, it's we'll learn what we need to learn when we need to learn it. And then take what knowledge is apropos for the next chapter 
and learn what we need to learn next. But patience, that's the big one, isn't it? And I think people who have been through, like you have, you know, the rod on your back, going through a year of therapy, so much that you couldn't do, you learn patience. I was a bedbound child as young and didn't have radio, didn't have TV, didn't have anything. You know, so I just kind of went traveling, you know, up in my ether. But you learn to have patience, but you also learn then to have appreciation. And be grateful. If I was in that doctor's examining room before I had that scoliosis and I came upon this podcast that said, wow, there are people that have gone through scoliosis surgery and mm -hmm. recovered mm -hmm. and do, did a 26.2 mile marathon besides having, they, they told me about one guy that they used the example that this guy wanted to go in the military and he couldn't go in the military because he had a steel rod. So he went and had the surgery twice just so he can go in the military and have the, have the, the rod taken out after the, the fusion of the two bottom ribs to his spine. I said, I'm not doing that twice. No. I'll just live with a steel rod on my back. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll work for Comcast and I'll be your antenna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I can make your Wi-Fi better. Let me stand next to your house. <laughs> God knows any, everybody needs one of those. Oh, gosh, yes, especially now. <laughs> but that was important to him. So he was willing to do whatever it took to go and do that. And I think this is, I think when you, when something is given to you as an obstacle or a challenge in life, you know, it's not the be all and the end all. It's a redirect. And that's where the pause needs to be. What does this really mean? Where is it pointing me to? What am I meant to really do out of this? And only by taking the daily journey and allowing, allowing things to unfold, do you actually understand the meaning of it? And then when you understand the meaning of it, you've got something to pursue. And that becomes more meaningful. And you're stepping into a purpose that becomes more meaningful. So if one is allowed to take the journey, it can be completely wondrous, can't it? It is totally satisfying it mm. is totally well i'm reading a book called think and grow rich mm -hmm. by napoleon hill and he also has another book called oh what is that book because it is so good i mean the two books have almost identical information in it but just a little bit extra mm -hmm. i was going to say fluff but nothing in that book is fluff mm -hmm. i could i could underline every single word uh, but the main crux of the matter is he talks about these two words called definite purpose mm -hmm. and if i would say anything that definite purpose in your personal dream and that desire and burning desire that he talks about so much and he says to reread that book every single day of your life if i had done that since I was 15 or 16 or 17. If somebody had come to me and said, hey, Paul, maybe you, you, you would benefit a lot from a Toastmaster organization. And mm -hmm. you, if you could practice every week, once a week, since you were that young age, plus the combination of that book. And I learned from Toastmasters, believe it or not. And I don't know if they do this from other professional groups about public speakers what is the most impactful way to speak to somebody, whether it's a two minute speech, an hour long dialogue like we're doing today, or a professional speaker while you're addressing 10,000 people in the audience where it's, I've heard most speakers when they're very impactful, they ask a very thought provoking question, mm -hmm. not a statement, right. but something that really is a thought provoking question to everybody in the audience that means something to everybody in the audience that everybody can relate to. Yes. And if they had asked me 
when I was 16, some thought-provoking question of how it could affect my future in such a way that it would mean something to me at that young Paul age. Mm -hmm. Then that person would have connected with me versus I, wonder, I, I, I had people say, well, would you have listened? Mm -hmm. If you were 16 at that young age, would you rather go outside? Well, I said I would have listened if they actually asked the appropriate thought-provoking question to me at that age. And sometimes yeah. maybe it has to be somebody, maybe not family, maybe not a friend, but some third party. Sometimes you do listen to more for some reason, or they just need to ask that really keyed in question. And again, I think it, people have to be ready. It's even, you know, whether you're young or old or wherever you are in between, um, people will make a statement that doesn't really mean much to you right now, but it's a seed that's being planted. And somewhere along the line, you will either hear that statement again or it'll come up in your own thoughts. Ah, now I understand what that means. So, you know, the thing is we've got to plant the seeds and we've got to understand that if somebody's not responsive to it right now, it's not relatable to them right now. But by planting the seeds, the illumination, the inspiration, eventually it will be something that it will grow within them and they'll have a better understanding of the relativity of it to them and what it means. So it's not about, you know, as you said, a statement, da, 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 and everybody goes, ah, hallelujah. It's not about that. It's about that thought provoking food for thought, letting it sit in someone and grow as it's meant to grow on their own journey of life. You know how there's some, television shows that have lessons like say the karate kid mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. mr miyagi said you know you have to paint the fence and you have to wash the car and you have to go to the beach and make a kick standing on top of one of those pylons that are standing up in the middle mm -hmm. of the beach maybe somebody should have said to young paul to volunteer at this nursing home or volunteer at this assisted living and get around older people and wiser people that you can learn from and it might be the same analogy that the karate kid had that he didn't want to paint the fence. He didn't want to paint, uh, paint the car. Well, maybe paint the car. Wax off, wax off, yes. Wash the car, exactly. <laughs> and, and he didn't want to do all those things, but maybe young Paul also didn't want to go visit a nursing home and see grandma and grandpa or, didn't, or want to visit great grandma and grandpa or didn't want to appreciate elderly people. But you could learn so much from them and maybe yeah. somebody could have got me around that and then plant more seeds that life is really shorter than you really think it is. Yes. Especially when you have friends or family along the years that have passed. Later in life, you realize that too, I think too late. I think that yes. you should learn those things when you're 15 or 16 and then get around more elderly people and learn more and then talk about how life is really short. And then if life is really short, then ask that question, hey, about this thing called Toastmasters. Yes. What about this thing called podcasts. Yes. And um, I think also to those that are brought up with the integration of aunts, uncles, um, you know, grandparents as a family unit are truly gifted and they really understand the value of the grandparents. Um, I only had one grandmother left when I was growing up that all the others had died and I didn't see her too often. Um, I had a couple of aunts that I loved, but, you know, were kind of scattered around. And my own children, you know, because I'm in a different country, they grew up with friends that became 
the sisters or the aunts or the uncles, you know, so it, sometimes it's not always blood family, it's the family you make along the way. And, you know, these particular people are just as important in their life today as, it, as they have been growing up. So sometimes we make family along the way. And if we're willing to sit and learn, I have a, a program called Your View of Life, and it takes people on a metaphorical journey. And at the end of it, that assessment tells me whether they're in tune with their own lives, whether they're switched off, if they're avoiding things, the way they see something. And it's quite eye-opening because people go, oh, gosh, I didn't realize that. And I think, again, going back to the pause, if we slow down and pay attention to what's around us, we understand what we're meant to learn but if we're always in a hurry and let's face it as a kid we're far too much in a hurry to be you know pausing and slowing down you know everything is about fast at that time and having an experience that's part of youth it's okay very true i agree <laughs> so we can never resent you know kind of what we didn't do growing up because everything we did do is in our melting pot now it's all part of the ingredient of what we're doing now and why we're doing it. Even if we made some mistakes along the line, the biggest mistake or the biggest failure is when we give up. But if we learn from something and redirect and apply it to something else and it eventually leads us to where we are now, that really is the journey well, well journeyed. And where are we going to be in the next three, four, five, six months? It, at the present moment, yes, you know, you probably would have said years uh, a little while ago, but right now we're literally living day by day, week by week, month by month, because we don't know where we're going to be. But we do know that life is radically changed and it's going to change quite considerably going forward. And so this is an incredible invite for us right now to look at our lives, assess them, reevaluate, and renew and change the way we go about doing things. What's important to us? What do we want to contribute? What has this COVID virus taught you at this time? <laughs> I was, you should see what's going on in my mind when you were asking that question and going through that dialogue, and I was actually listening, but I was thinking of the comparison. I don't know any other guests are probably thinking this, between do you ever get upset or does anybody of your listeners get upset when you're driving and somebody doesn't really understand or, or want to understand the rules of the road, whether they're, they're going a little bit faster than the speed limit says, whether they're maybe trying to pass somebody in an inappropriate spot yeah. to pass somebody, what if they're going the wrong way down a one-way street? And I feel like that circumstance outside with our cars is now happening inside our grocery stores because of the pandemic <laughs> or COVID-19, because in our local supermarket, they actually put one way directions yes. every, every other aisle. Yes. And then the end aisles where the produce are, are they missing some of those signs? So people are going in both directions and the ones that are going in one way inside the store, we, my wife and I, just before this meeting, we got back just in time it's amazing how things work out i always if i say i'm going to be somewhere at a time i'm going to be somewhere yes indeed and we were unpacking and have you showered two or three times yet today some of your <laughs> listeners might have showered five or six times maybe two times i did a second shower then changed again so that we can get all those groceries and the, the produce and everything unpacked and feel like we got rid of any there's no viruses living among us mm. hopefully Mm. But how has this changed for you, though? I mean, going forward, 
in your life? You know, what are you going to do differently? Toastmasters is very important to you. And, and you know, that medical thing we will talk about in a moment. Um, but, you know, your life has changed as it is right now, the way you're practicing it, the way you're living it. But what have you given thought to what you're going to be doing moving forward? How are you going to change some of the things you do? Well, the one thing that I think will be a change for a lot of people that I think I'm way ahead, like four years ahead, because I started using Zoom four years ago. And now people, as soon as it got into the pandemic, it went into a little bit of overdrive and panic and security, whether Zoom was secure or not, and the other ones that they're secure or not. I heard one person say that it's HIPAA compliant with RingCentral, but RingCentral uses Zoom. So, I mean, to, to each his own research yeah. of what company you're going to use. And also it depends on that you know how to use the features, whether yes. you flip that button on that says that you're more secure. And if you don't flip that on, they just have bells and whistles that make sure that mm-hmm. you actually know what you're doing before you're going to do it. And I, I realized from four years ago when I founded a brand new Toastmaster club and met almost every single manor, a member online, whether it was to any all five or six different social media platforms Mm -hmm. that I have never met before that are in Australia, United Mm -hmm. Kingdom, uh, New Zealand, Jordan, Libya. Yes. (laughs) Everywhere around the world and that there are good people in all of these countries. And then there's what the government says. And then there's what TV says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you end up with people that are just people. And so to have those three different opinions Mm -hmm. uh, and ideas and have access to the idea that there are just a a lot of politics out there, a lot of propaganda out there. And then there's just real people and to find the real people to found a Toastmaster club that just goes in that wants to do people don't join a Toastmaster club unless they want to have self-improvement. Yeah. And why else would somebody tie up their time for an hour and a half meeting so that they could do all these different roles like our counter and, a word you're marrying and the Toastmaster of the day to practice leadership skills and listening skills and leadership skills as well. And they take it, take it back and use it in their community to make themselves better people. And if people want to be better people, then I guess that means by definition, they can't be bad people. Yeah. <laughs> if they want to be better people. I think it's be probably do better, better than people. be better. You know, it's, you know, they're already good people, but they want to do better. Because to be better insinuates they could be bad, but to do better means that we can always improve on ourselves. And almost like an oxymoron to be a better bad person. Yeah. <laughs> so a bad person would say, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> or they just wouldn't show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think through podcasting for me, most certainly, like Toastmasters has been for you, is, you know, if you watch the news or if you hear some people in the world you know just really why doesn't the universe just press delete and start again because there's human beings that are just scum of the earth and then you know they think well what's what's the point of living what's the point of being here if everybody is so bad and then through podcasting over the last eight years i have got to meet some of the most extraordinary people the most Oh, it's people that have gone through journeys in life that you wonder how they get up every morning. Never mind do what they do and inspire who they inspire. And it shows you all the wonderful hearts and souls and spirits and purpose and drive out there in being there for other people. 
you know, people making a difference in other people's lives. And it gives you such a beautiful picture of humanity. And the things we need to promote that more, don't we? We need that to be embraced more. Switch off the TV and really listen to the people who are making a difference, not the people who are taking the CNN effect, taking a pimple and making it into a volcanic eruption. They're just selling drama. They're just soap opera stations. And, they, and news doesn't sell us as bad anyway. For some bizarre reason, everybody needs to hear. If, if it's good, they turn it off. If it's bad, they turn it on. Yeah, it's, I know. It's that rubbernecking effect when you're on the highway and everybody turns to see an accident. Yes. That's why, they, it's, it, it, that's why the, the, the traffic slows down. Yeah. Everybody yeah. turns to look. So everybody turns to look at the bad news. Same thing. Now, I think that's kind of been inbred in us. You know, it's... Um, I don't know why, but we've bought it, haven't we? You know, fear sells and we've bought it. If we stop buying it, you know, would they start manufacturing it as much? There's the common sense things to be afraid of. COVID viruses, most certainly something to be afraid of. Um, and common sense will help us not be a victim of it. But the point is, do we step into common sense or do we immediately step into fear? She's asking me a question. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found it? You know, the, the stepping into, I mean, is, is it something that, you know, you have found those, I mean, everybody gets those moments, you know, like, oh, you know, but, well, how do you manage? How do you see on it? this shoulder, and I'll put fear on this shoulder, <laughs> like the good person here and the bad person here. <laughs> common sense. Um, and they say that it's so common, or it's not so common. Right. Yes. Yes. I, and, and then there's just some people you can give common sense to, but they're just so angry that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. This is black. This is white. No, you know, they'll see something different because they're driven by fear. They're driven by anger. And I'm afraid there's not much you can do because ultimately we all have a choice in how we see something, how we react to it and what we do about it. But do we all go to the gym and maybe the common sense thing is a matter of actually getting some exercise with our brain. And there's a particular mm. book, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If people read that book every day and we actually started to or read any book every day, I suppose, if people read more. Yes. And hopefully in a more positive book than just, well, there's, there's books like the movies where you want entertainment yep. and action and excitement, but that's different than just a book that's just complete trash. Right. If there's a book that you can have that could make you think, whether they're talking about some science thing that you're excited about, like exploring the next planet or something like that. Something that keeps you engaged, keeps you in wonderment. You know, one of the books that um, you know, I'm often promoting is Who Moved My Cheese by mm -hmm. um, Spencer Johnson, MD. And, you know, two men, two mice, all living around abundance of cheese, and one day the cheese is gone. And it's the reaction from all four of them. And we can look at the present moment, our cheese is gone. You know, people are searching their freedom is gone. We're asked to stay inside. Oh my God, stay at home. You know, we have got no drones flying over us, bombing us. We haven't got any Nazis at the door coming to take us away. Uh, we're asked to stay at home with our families, which is a gift of time. And that people are still moaning and, and bitching about it. Uh, perspective you know i think it's a huge thing and the, the, who moved my cheese is about the four different perspectives i'm a true colors coach as well which you know, is very much in alignment with that and if we actually understand how we perceive information 
we will actually understand why we react the way we do. So this is a fantastic time to kind of self-study, isn't it? Take the time to learn, to study, to inquire, and, you know, to expand ourselves. And you're the third person this week that has mentioned that book, Who Moved My Cheese. It's a great book, and I think it's very, very poignant right now. I have right it, now. by the way, too. I have read it, too. And my yeah. wife has read it, too. Yeah, and the actually... They actually did one um, for children as well. We have a lot of pictures and things like this because children are going through a great deal of change right now. And sometimes I people just see don't know that one for the kids. Yeah, no, they have one who moved my cheese for the kids too. And it's beautiful. Uh, it's really lovely. It makes me want to read it. And I'm, I guess I'm not a kid, but it makes me still want to read it. Like how many of us actually read, I mean, watch movies that are meant for kids, but we yeah. end up watching yes. them because they're on TV. And I'm wondering, why am I watching this? I'm, I'm an adult, but I'm watching it. Yes. Or I, I might watch a cartoon and there's talking animals. Yes. My wife loves talking anything. If you can make something talk, I can get her to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, I like that as well. Um, and, and, you know, there's many, many, and the thing about children's movies, there is always a wonderful metaphor in there, a lesson to be learned. And I think, you know, children watch it and learn it in a different way, obviously up to their level of understanding. But when we watch it with them, it becomes almost an aha moment, a reminder, a reminder. And that reminder is, is something that's really, really poignant. There was a great movie, um, Inside Out, um, which they've apparently got another movie coming out soon. And it's about a kid who's, you know, going through the emotions and the parents want you just to keep them in joy and not sad. And it's understanding why we have all our emotions. Emotions are an indication of how you feel. You address how you feel and you wonder, why do I feel like that right now? And then sometimes you immerse yourself in the feeling. Sometimes it's, it's releasing the feeling. What you don't become is emotional about your emotions. And that's where we lead into the fear and the anger and the hate and everything else because we get emotional about our emotions. So much to learn right now, really. It's a wonderful time, wonderful and, opportunity. And you're, you're saying be careful with your emotions, mm -hmm. yet at the same time when you're in your own business, you're a small business owner, a yes. micro business owner, they tell you that there's no way to sell unless you get your emotions right. in what you sell. Otherwise, people buy an emotion, but they justify it. But that's, that's, that's tapping into the emotional, but not being emotional about it. So don't oversell. The thing is what we're mm -hmm. saying about being with emotion when you're selling something, if it's coming from your heart, mm -hmm. if it's coming from your heart that you really believe in this, be it a product, be it a service, and this is something you are passionate about, that passion, that conviction will sell it. People know whether it's a passion that's money-based or a passion because you believe in something. That's the emotion that we're talking about. If you don't believe it, and you can tell the salespeople who are doing the spiel as to those that are really coming from a place of belief. And I think it's because of those people that don't believe it, they probably ruin it for the other people. And we have yeah. to work a little bit tiny harder so that they could trust us while we're trying to tell them from our hearts based on, hey, it really is true that that grandma did this and she fell and she had this and why you should have this. I'm not just making that up, but because yeah. it's the same thing when I met my wife that I tried to get her to, we met through online, like 
I wish there was something like this, and we could be Zoom would be interesting with online dating. <laughs> if they they could incorporate Zoom with dating sites, that would be oh, amazing. I'm sure that's coming. I'm Which sure is, that's coming. <laughs> and then they're gonna have to now. It's, yes. That's that's an incredible business idea right there yes. that we just gave away for free right here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I met her through an instant message, and I was lucky to get a 10 o'clock in the morning breakfast at Denny's, out of all places, and we stayed there for an hour and a half, but I couldn't get dinner because the guy before me said he was not married, and he was, and there's the pause. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm trying to work that one out. All right. <laughs> so, so basically... He said he wasn't married and he was married. So because of that, I couldn't get, I would try to get her to go to dinner with me. Oh, I see. To, right. to impress her or something or take her to dinner and I'd be a gentleman and I would pick up the bill and be a nice guy. But because of that guy, all guys are now terrible and I can't right. get breakfast. Yeah, yeah now I get it. Yes. Daily breakfast. I got yeah. a cup of coffee, the most expensive cup of coffee you can buy at Denny's, which I don't yeah. have anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we still have Denny's. They have sold takeout now. They have they had Denny's, but not that that hazelnut with whipped cream oh. and special coffee that was on the menu then that's not there now. Along with non-smoking sections are no longer on the menu. Now. Right, yes, good. I'm glad about that anyway. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, and the thing is it's really not important whether, you know, it's the dinner and the candlelight and all of that, because there is kind of an image around that now that you know is this really the true person i'm seeing or are they just putting it on and that kind of meeting somebody over a cup of coffee or even you know breakfast at denny's it's about the authenticity of the person and you know as i'm a single woman and it's got to be somebody that's that's done their own work in life they're comfortable with who they are and how they share themselves and they're respectful of who I am. And ultimately, whether you are young or whether you are older, that's what we're looking for. If you're young, you're looking for somebody who will go through that journey in life with you, allow you to explore, you allow them to explore on the exploration together, and you're there in support of one another. And that is absolutely wonderful. Later on in life, you're looking for that companion, somebody who'll go into the twilight zone with you. And it's, you know, different form of conversation, different form of comfort. But we all are looking for that authenticity. Be you. Don't try and be someone else because it's very hard to keep up that facade. I'm not, I'm somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give you my driver's license yet. <laughs> You didn't see I should take it out of my wallet and flash it up in front of the screen, but I guess that'll be a problem with identity theft. Yes, exactly. And the other thing that only tells me who you legally are, it doesn't tell me who you are inwardly. And that's exactly. really, life is an inside job, isn't it? And not everybody is who they say they are because it's yes. back to the grocery store, how you yes. really do the small things that you really get to know who people are. Like, yeah. why are you, I'm a... I'm wearing a mask. I have gloves on. I'm holding on to the thing with my wife with her mask and my gloves. And we're going down the one-way aisle, one-way street in the grocery store. Yeah. And a guy that's 30 years older than us is going down the wrong-way street because he probably can't see the thing on the floor that says it's one way. Right. I'm going to guess that's why he didn't know and didn't see. But every aisle has some kind of yes. new sign. He if he got here in a car, he probably can notice that the sign actually said, this is one way, buddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you could hear me, buddy, <laughs> yeah. next time you're shopping, 
to wash the sign into one-way streets of the supermarket. How about them apples? Well, that's the common sense there again. <laughs> if everybody's doing things like this, we get through this pandemic quickly. We're not looking at a vaccine anytime soon, maybe the end of the year, maybe next year. And at the present moment, it's only common sense that's going to keep it at bay. It isn't about, oh, middle of May, we can all go back out again and do go back to our lives as usual. No, there is going to be no life as usual. But where is the invitation for your life to be different, but still fruitful? And, you know, with your podcasting, um, not, well, your podcasting interviews, yes, but also but with your Toastmasters, you know, gathering people together. This is a fantastic time to have that conversation about how to take what they're learning through Toastmasters and apply it to the new norm, to the new way of doing things. I'm constantly trying to inspire people to embrace Zoom, embrace virtual meetings, if you don't like the word Zoom. Mm -hmm. Embrace the idea that, that you just have to take the challenge, embrace it, and try to think positively how you could make corrective action, corrective course, like sailing and just jack this way instead of that way. If the wind is going here, then go there. Mm. Yeah. Adjustment. You know, if we don't, if we're so rigid and we're not willing to adjust to things, so we'll be, you know, like him and who moved my cheese, you know, I'm going to sue you, give it back. You know, if you get left behind, those are the dinosaurs. You know, it, it is about, which by the way, were wiped up by viruses, not the ice age. Um, the interesting thing is, this is a gift of time to us. For some people, it's the end of their time. My poor landlady has lost five people to COVID and her brother died of a heart attack the other day. Lost as in no more tenant or they passed away? No, there are five people that have passed away through COVID. Some of them, um, you know, a childhood friend, some of them work colleagues through the years. And then her brother just didn't wake up one day, he had a massive heart attack in his sleep. And so that's six people in six weeks that she's lost. And we've got to bear in mind that although this is a gift of time for us to, to reflect, renew, review our lives, there are people that are losing people. How can we be there to help them through their mourning? And how are we going to be there for all our front caregivers at the end of this? Because they're going to go for pre, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. They're going to be so shaken up by all of this. So there are so many opportunities for things for us to do and be there for each other. And this is the question right now. What can I do? It's not about what I can't do. What can I do? What's needed of me? What's needed of you? <laughs> what's needed of me? I think that what's needed in me is what's needed in all of us around the entire planet. Dear fellow earthlings, what's needed of us mm -hmm. is to feel like a presidential address. I think that what we should be doing is being the best example that we could possibly be, which is to be strong for our families, to actually do that exercise that you said you weren't going to do last week, that you're going to do this week, and you're going to make a consistent effort to do some of the above minimum standards that you maybe not have been doing lately. Uh, I, if I go the extra mile and I did eight miles on my treadmill and who does even eight miles, not on a treadmill, mm -hmm. but I'm just trying to put in the exercise so that I can shake that pesky extra pound. So I can shake one more extra pesky pound so I can have more energy, more, less pounds, more energy, less inches, and be as healthy as I can be 
physically wise so that I could tackle my days in the most positive. And, the, and that exercise stems to my thoughts and really mm -hmm. helps me think better. I probably think of the best things to say for a podcast by running. I think yes. best when I'm running. Yes. Clears my head, the blood's flowing everywhere inside my body and not getting out. <laughs> Slash and dice, yes. <laughs> but that's the thing is, what, where is it? What space are we in that the ideas come to us? You know, and that's because when we're open and ready to receive. So if you're in a space where it's meditation or running or walking or baking or whatever the case is, whatever your zone is, that is when you're you know, being open to receive ideas. And that's the, the thing. Oh, that's a good idea. Do something about it. Don't just go, that's a good idea and then forget it. Put it There's down on paper, you know, let, let, it, let, it, let it grow. There's two things that I think everybody should be doing every day and that's reading more. And if you could read first thing in the day before you have your breakfast, so it's your breakfast, your mind, and do that hour of exercise minimum. I try to do an hour in the morning, an hour later, or two hours in one spot early, or two hours in one spot later. And if you could do an hour of something, I don't care if you don't have a treadmill machine, you don't want to go outside, then run around your kitchen. Mm -hmm. Jog around your house. I don't care if your house is 100 square feet. Just run to one side of the table and run back or jog slowly around the kitchen table and walk around the table. And you can walk around that table about a thousand times. You'll get to a thousand steps. Yeah. Yeah. More than a thousand steps. And it's still good for you. Yeah. I've yeah. done that. I've, I, I've walked around the dining room table over and over again, put a podcast on it. And it's like your own natural treadmill. Exactly. And that's the beauty of the podcast is that, you know, you're hearing how other people are doing things or you're hearing new ideas or new perspectives, or maybe it's just a comfort podcast, you know, helping you feel your anxiety or, um, or maybe coming up with a solution for you. You know, for you, your Toastmasters um, group is something that's very inspiring to you and to them. It's a support group for people in learning how to communicate, how to present, um, and also, you know, how to adjust the way they do it because maybe now instead of standing up in front of people they're in they're zooming people and it's a different form of standing up how do you adjust your presentation all of that is very very important because it's preparing people for what is to come next in their lives and that is what we're looking for right now it's not just surviving the moment it's preparing for the next moment and that's important can i shock you for what? I'm, I'm not sitting, I'm standing. <laughs> Are you? Good, good. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, there's a lot of people. Can, that... I don't know if you can tell or not if I do that because it looks like I'm maybe putting a book underneath me or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, there are some people. I've, I've actually interviewed people who are actually on a treadmill while I'm talking to them. So Now that's you know, an idea. I yeah. should try that for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, some people do. It's again, it's, it's just whatever is your strength or your forte. And, you know, as they said, they were traveling and they didn't have time to do this. So they just walk on the treadmill while they're working and for some people that works just discover what works for you there was a guy here in vancouver who lived in a 500 square foot apartment but he put out a thing on social media i'm going to walk for 24 hours in my apartment and raising money for a particular cause and other than mm -hmm. two minute breaks every hour for you know pit stop or grab a bike literally he walked the 500 feet it was really lit around the coffee table you know and he did that for 24 hours and the amount of support he got was absolutely great so you could always you know throw a, throw a challenge out to people on social media or out to your family and your friends you know uh, the innovation of songs that have come up 
and you know little videos it's been absolutely wonderful to see it definitely is an added dimension that that it's not all the time where these things are a complete yes. waste of time yeah there, there are a nice amount maybe 25 percent where it's actually useful and thought-provoking and helps our lives and very yeah. handy well, you know, obviously I've been using Zoom two and a half years doing the videos before that audio. I used a different platform. Um, but, you know, now Saturday nights with the family, we get together and play Pictionary or, um, you know, which is very interesting, drawing by a mouse. <laughs> it makes it very entertaining um, or, you know, trivia or something. And we're all coming together. And, and it's, it's about that connection. It's, you know, people think, well, I can't connect with people through a screen. Yes, you can. It's do you do the Pictionary on the computer? Yes, you use your mouse to draw. If you're going to Zoom, they, they have that, um, I think it's share screen. You can go to whiteboard and you can draw on there. And to, trying to do it with a mouse is really hilarious, which makes it far more entertaining. So there's always something you can do, you know. Wow. Because we did for the first time over the holidays when it was Easter and Passover, we had Passover and we had literally 26 people in four different families or five different families. And they, my father was supposed to lead this Seder and he is not very technological. <laughs> so my sister says, you're doing it now. She knows I'm doing Toastmasters, but I don't think she understands that Toastmasters trains you to lead meetings and be a better MC than the normal MC and be able to, you know, just pick up and go and volunteer. They say if you want something done, ask a Toastmaster, especially a Toastmaster that's been doing it for more than a year, mm -hmm. that they literally are voluntold to do things on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Same with a podcaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 so you, you have call to keep, me. You have to keep things smooth and and going because you never know if that other person's going to go on a tangent and you want to take them. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about you know if if you enjoy what you're doing and you're doing it for the right reason, then it doesn't matter if you're put on the spot because it's authentic. You're just, you know, you're just going to be in that moment. If you're worried about how you say it, who you think, what's my audience? I need to do some research on this first. Then you're not being spontaneous. You're not being authentic. You should be anytime, anywhere, at any drop of the hat, be able to step forth and speak to what you speak to because it should always come from your authenticity in your heart anyway. I agree. <laughs> Again. <laughs> That's like I'm playing tennis and I, I say I agree. That's like a little volley and then it goes back <laughs> on your court and there's no fair. I didn't say any words. <laughs> your serve. Tell us about the heart monitor. Okay, that's a very good idea since you like, I know I like sports. It's very interesting <laughs> that you say that because that's an interesting part where I, Paul wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that heart monitor or just before that heart monitor which was a little portable device about half the size of your smartphone. So take this in half, take this wire here, plug it in. Instead of attaching to my ears, it's attached to some place over here with suction cups and you wear it for 24 hours a day, sleep with it, don't shower with it for a whole week and just, you know, shower with a washcloth or something for that week. Right. And I wanted to get my money's worth out of it. So I didn't want to just have breakfast, have lunch and have dinner and just go to a desk. I wanted to 
show what my daily routine would be that if I could get myself to slowly, I wasn't going to run fast for five miles if I had some kind of out of the blue where I fainted in my car for, and going 75 miles an hour. And that's why I needed to have this heart monitor mm-hmm. because I was driving on the way to go to pick up my father-in-law to take him to the doctor. And all of a sudden, I don't remember how I got off the side of the road. I don't know how from going 70 miles an hour to taking out one of those street lamps that mm. cost $2,000 on your car insurance that you only pay a premium. So now you know why you pay that car insurance in the first place. Right. You have to, God forbid, have an accident that covers a $2,000 light pole from a high, a major highway that people are going fast on. I don't know what 75 miles an hour is in Canada, but I think it's faster in it's, kilometers. It's fa- yes, yeah, we're wearing kilometers over here, but yeah, it's way faster. Yeah. Right. So if you imagine going, what, 200 kilometers or something? About one, yeah, 140, somewhere around there, 140, 150. Mm-hmm. And then all That's of a fast. sudden fainting, <laughs> ending up beside the road and waking up to Hispanic people that literally say, Mr. <laughs> Mr. And my airbag is in front of me and all I see is the top of their heads and they probably see the top of my head. I know what happened. They don't know what happened. And thankfully somebody called the tow truck and somebody called the ambulance and they take me to the regional hospital and they do some tests and they go, we're okay, but what? we fainted. So hence the heart monitor, right? Where did it for a week? I ran on the beach barefoot in our beautiful Southeast Florida weather, like you see here, mm-hmm. which was always 75 degrees, perfect, perfect weather for half the year here, mm-hmm. which is probably triple the temperature than what's in your neck of the woods. Another expression that I don't know if it translates to every single country, meaning somebody else's neighborhood. <laughs> Lovely temperatures, which we don't have here right now, I can tell you. <laughs> And it turns out after wearing it for a week, that heart monitor, and giving it a really good test, I mean, knowing that inside that little device was my heart going beep, boop, beep, 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 instead of, you know, we don't want that, right? And then when they had it tested and they just did some minor things like eat smaller meals, have five or six meals instead of having one big meal, because I think having big meals didn't help me for some reason. Mm -hmm. They told me to cut out caffeine. They told me to cut out soda, all the things that you probably should be cutting out in the first place. Yes, we just bought four more bottles today. But I have a balanced diet now. I mean, I have lots of water. I probably drink four of these giant tubs of water while I'm on the treadmill doing eight miles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so like I, I say, you know, it's, a, it's about the balance, isn't it? You know, paying yeah. attention to that warning. You were very lucky that you came out of that. Mm-hmm. And my you wife know? said, she, she said, um, I can't finish the marathon that I was training for that was coming up in two months. And I had to get the doctor to approve that it's okay to run the marathon uh, by doing the training with that device hooked up to me. Mm-hmm. And I was already doing five or six miles. I just had to do another 10 or 15 or 20 miles after that. <laughs> <laughs> just only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, overcoming is, is the, the theme maybe of mm-hmm. the week or of the day or mm-hmm. the podcast. And 
if you could overcome a podcast that lasts for more than an hour and a couple of <laughs> seconds, I think we're almost at the hour mark or just past it. Yes, um, yes, I'm, we are. I'm keeping track, so I, I, I am aware that uh, how much time we have for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting, I'm the boss, I can decide. Tell us about Mr. and Mrs. Medical Expert. Oh, okay. Well, actually, when you say Mr. and Mrs. Medical Expert, it's actually my wife and I, Coined our terms as our coined our professions as the specialty for Medicare, mm -hmm. which is that government-sponsored program in the U.S. for people that have worked and paid into the system when they pay their taxes, they are entitled to a medic a Medicare benefit. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of parts and moving parts to that that I won't get into specifics for, but it covers your health insurance when you get to 65 years old. And so when somebody is 64 and a half, actually about three months before they turn 65, we do a little bit of education, explain to them the four parts to Medicare, what that is. One of the parts is just the hospital. One of the parts is about the doctor visits and durable things like canes and walkers and oxygen. And if you need those, who covers those things? And who, what happens with, if you have extended stays in the hospital and what covers that? Then there's a government alternative plan that looks like a zero premium, but there's actually a lot of cost sharing involved and costs, and it can be convoluted and it's very confusing as it is for even professionals to look at. Yeah. So you can imagine what a innocent bystander turning 65, 64 and a half can imagine. And at that age, it's all public information. When you turn 65, you're going to get a stack of mail that just will be overflowing at your house. And you're like, well, which person do I call? They're all trying to market to me. And they're doing yeah. that thing that we talked about earlier where you don't know which one of those is trying to sell you because they want money. Yeah. Or which one of them really wants to help you because they have a heart or who yeah. has the balance because we know people have to earn a living. So we're those people that really, hopefully you could tell from this hour long podcast that, that we love being a balanced person in life. We love helping people. I mean, an hour is probably not enough to really get to know somebody. I really do recommend that you really get to know somebody before you hire any professional, whether yes. you're an attorney, an accountant, a, a, a doctor, somebody that handles Medicare, life insurance, stocks and bonds, all those financial type people. I mean, there's so many people that are so-called crooks, if that's the word that is not the most positive. That's the worst unpositive word I've ever said in the last years. I've had many of clients say that about talking about lots of people mm -hmm. and what happens there. They're watching the news all the time. Yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Medicare dot expert. I took out that domain name, www.mrandmrsmedicare.expert. And it actually links for now to a most recent workshop that we did virtually. And it is an hour long workshop of us explaining part A, part B, part C, part D of all these different parts of Medicare and why somebody needs some kind of a supplement plan or some alternative to a supplement plan so they can cover some gaps that the government will not pay for you when you are 65 and older. And of course, all the expenses when you're getting older, do you think that they're going to get less expensive mm -hmm. or do you think they're going to get more expensive? How many of you think they're going to get less expensive? And how many people here think that expenses are going to get more expensive when it comes to healthcare in the future? Yeah. 
I am 65 and my expenses have gone up. So yes, I'm fortunate, very, very blessed here to be in Canada and my medical is covered. So I'm extremely grateful for that. But in the US especially, I know you're not. The medical uh, talk has gone on for how long? You know, I've been here nearly 40 years in Canada and I've been watching the news for a long time. And for over 40 years, this whole Medicare for all and medical have help for Americans it's still a talk and still not happening so whatever people can get and especially right now because obviously this you know never mind whether you get the virus or not which we don't want anyone to get but there's the anxiety around it that then's causing some other health issues because of the anxiety and so that Medicare right now is extremely important people need that not only to know that it's there and that peace of mind but what their resources are so you know i'm glad that you're doing that it's very needed right now another interesting tidbit is that for some people that medicare might look like it's going to be more money than what they're paying now for their health insurance because they might be on a group plan with a big employer right and it could look like now it's going to be more money and they have to do it or some people are on that so-called affordable health care act or they call it obamacare and now that they're 65, they can't stay on that affordable health care. They have to go on to Medicare at 65. They can't have both. And most likely, it's going to be more money than what they were paying on the Affordable Care Act. Right. And then you have to weigh it up. Okay, I'm paying more money now. What does it cover? Because, yes, I can tell you, it, you know, if, uh, there are more things as you get older that you need support on. I think the minimum support that they're going to do is that if they're on the Affordable Care Act and they're on the Obamacare, that they have that alternative to Medicare, which is Part C of the Medicare program. And that program looks like zero premium, so it has some benefits, but not all benefits. So right. they'll have something instead of nothing. Exactly, which is always better than nothing, for sure. My so wife says really... that it's always... It's better to have something and not need it than right. to need it and not have it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, you know, like your car insurance, you know, you wrap your car around a pole, you're going to be very happy you have insurance, you know, so. That's what happened know. to Paul. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, that's the thing about it. You know, you're paying out all and paying out. All you need is one time, one time for something to happen. And, and, uh, and live yeah. to say something about it. Yeah, yeah, like I went exactly. through an entire lamp. Yeah. On the highway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it wasn't your time to die. That's for sure. You're still here for a reason. So how do people get hold of you? If they want to be part of the Toastmasters group, how do they get hold of you? If they want to know more about the Medicare thing, how do they get hold of you? What's the best way? Is it okay to say a couple of different ways? Here yes, yes, yes. My... Pour them out. Okay. I'm just going to click on this thing on my phone. Somebody was coming in my gate there. I just let them in. <laughs> uh, the best way to, to get a hold of me is either to call me on my phone, since I know most people are not going to call me on the phone. I give out my phone number so many times on the internet, and it's totally safe if you give your phone number on the line. Watch this. It'll ring off the hook. But no, it never happens. <laughs> but it's 561-302-0051. That's 561-302-0051 is one way. Another way is if you could spell my name, paulfinkelstein.com, and this is how I do it. When somebody calls me on the phone and they, and they want to know how to spell my name because they need to know some important information, I tell them it's Paul Finkelstein, F as in Frank, I, N as in Nancy, K, E, L, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E, I, N as in Nancy.
So paulfinkelstein.com is my website that goes to the six or so different types of social media, the main ones I have between Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn. If you email me, you could put your name in front of my website so I know it came from you. You can do that. So if you put Sarah at paulfinkelstein.com, that'll come right to my Gmail account. I have all the email forwarding right there. If you put in there Alignable at paulfinkelstein.com, I'll know that you were you came from Alignable. If you were on LinkedIn and you got a hold of me and saw this video, you could put LinkedIn at paulfinkelstein.com. Am I really too creative here or what? <laughs> That's if you found me on that LinkedIn, one. That's a good one, yeah. If you found me on Twitter, put in Twitter at paulfinkelstein.com. I can probably go, I can go on for maybe a couple more. I have like five different profiles set up. I only go to the top three anyway. And your Facebook, do you have one of those? And the Facebook as well. If you go to paulfinkelstein.com, there's a link that goes right to my Facebook. I can't think of what I put for my username for Facebook, but I do have the username. I have multiple Facebook pages. So if I interview you and I shared it, I shared it on 10 different Facebook pages and you probably won't be able to keep up to know where they are. But uh, any way that I can connect with small business owners and micro business owners so that they could reach out to me and you go, oh, you could always find me too at omgtalk.com. That is probably, that's probably the best way. And the most exciting way that anybody could reach out to me is if you go to omgtalk.com, which you might think it stands for, oh my God, <laughs> but it could also stand for, that's a pause. <laughs> <laughs> Online meet and greet. So omgtalk.com would be online meet and greet. Now you could also remember online meet and greet.com and that will work as well. <laughs> right. So many ways of getting hold of you. So whatever, you know, it's Toastmasters, whether they want to know about, um, uh, you know, the, the Medicare thing or anything that they want to know about right now, just even reach out to you for a chat or to interview you or get you on your podcast. Um, they can reach you at any one of those, which is great. Thanks for sharing, Paul. It's great to be here. And it was really great to meet you on short notice or not so short notice. <laughs> if we were connected on Alignable for years and years, or we just got connected. Where? How did we meet? Yes, it was through first? Alignable. Yeah. And right. um, I can't remember how or who reached out to whom, but I mean, you know, kind of Alignable is a smaller version of LinkedIn, a little bit more personal than mm -hmm. LinkedIn. And so it's a, it's a good platform for people if they want to promote their business, but also get to know people, especially locally um, or, you know, in the same line of work, which is good. So but, I know you're uh, a huge advocate for Alignable as well. I'm trying to get some feedback too about Alignable. I'm curious your thoughts, maybe for the record, say here if you feel like, which is, do you ever feel like you, when somebody sends you a message, do you get an email right away into your inbox on your email when someone sends you a message through the Alignable platform versus sending you an email directly because they, they don't have your email directly and they send you a message through Alignable? Do you get an email right away or does it? I wouldn't know whether it's right away or not because I'm not on the Alignable to know if it's right away, but I do get it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, through my LinkedIn, through my Alignable, anytime I get anybody leaving a message, it automatically comes through for me. And then that's, you know, then you go in and, and what it's nice, you just want to support, want to inquire, want to meet for a coffee, whether it's virtual or not, and you can leave it at that. Um, 
I don't recommend anyone on, on Lineable that I haven't interviewed or I don't know personally. So there's no recommendation from me that hasn't come from me personally um, and that I believe in. So, you know, I'm not one of these people. I'm just going to recommend everyone. <laughs> I don't do that. I've got to know who they are and be able to stand behind that. Um, but it, it's a good place to meet and greet if, you've, if you find LinkedIn too intimidating and, um, and too pitchy sometimes it can be. Sign up, sign up, sign up. So it's, all of these social medias are absolutely great. You've just got to learn how to use them that benefit you. The bottom line, it's all about people. If it wasn't yes. for people you wouldn't be able to mess anything up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It's about interaction. And if you want to get to know people, you know, it's, it's like anything in life. What you put out is what you get back. And if you're not, if you're just putting out, you know, um, Garbage. last thing, you know, uh, you know uh, commercials all the time, that's all you're going to get. But if you put out invitation to connect and start conversations, you never know where it's going to lead to. You could end up on an hour-long podcast exactly. with somebody in Canada. <laughs> exactly. In somewhere above the equator. <laughs> exactly. Like this. Yeah, yeah. In the nice backdrop there, definitely. Thanks for hosting me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on, and thank you for interviewing me as well. Uh, people still be able to find that on your OMG, right? Oh, yes. It, it's actually on my YouTube, too. So if you went right. to paulfinkelstein.com, if you lost the messaging through Alignable where I sent you the link. You could always find it. Just go to paulfinkelstein.com to find my YouTube and then sub hit subscribe on my YouTube. Everybody should be doing that. Yes. Uh, help me out there because I, I don't know, you must have thousands of subscribers. I just have a mere 334. I'm up a point, up a subscriber from yesterday to today. So that's a plus. <laughs> no, that's I don't see. I have an awful lot of people who follow my shows, but not terribly many who subscribe. So I don't know why, but anyway, it's a, uh, you know, again, the beauty of doing whether it's video or, or audio is people are going to listen to it or watch it in the way that they receive right and that's all we do is put it out there and it's there ready for the clicking when people are ready for the listening excellent and uh, word of mouth also works too we don't yes. always have to be on the number one page of google no sometimes that that's word a lot of, of mouth pressure to be on that <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or a keyword i've been on webinars where people tell you you should do these keywords and it, turns into another job. I know. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I want an extra job, but I do think that there can be word of mouth just by showing quality content that someone is irresistibly attached to. Yeah. Yeah, that word of mouth, that sharing, because you care. You know, for me, they say there's an app for everything. I say I have a show for everything. So every time I see a, a statement or a, or a conversation, Fred, and I think I have a show for that, I share the show. Because it's to do with that conversation. It's an extension of it. And it may have some answers that people are looking for. And that's why we do what we do, right? Sharing the information. Excellent. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Paul. And to remember everyone else is that it doesn't matter what challenges uh, you face in life. There is always a way to overcome them. Everything is for a reason and that life is about journeying. It's not about destination and you'll kind of reach different destinations, different chapters in your life, and it will lead you to the next one. But do it with exuberance, do it with passion and do it with conviction, and then you'll do it with purpose. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here 
to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.